We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. This is Blue Wire. Hello and welcome to the Eurostep episode 29. I'm Kane Pittman and I am joined by Ty Windish uh, late on a Tuesday night after game four of the Eastern Conference Finals. And we have a series. <laughs> the, the Raptors blow out the Bucks 121-02 in game four. It was a pretty comprehensive performance from the Raptors in the final three quarters of this game. And now we head back to Milwaukee, and there's a three-game series tie. Yeah. Um, well, technically, we don't have a series yet, right? The old rule is first time a team wins on the road. We still haven't had that. But, yeah, we are, we are cooking with gas. Bucks Twitter in a tizzy, probably an understatement there. I don't think I'm quite that worked up about this latest Bucks loss. Uh, but I am... I've been using fun uh, synonyms for sort of worried for a while now and, and a text with Kane. I'll say discomforted. I'm discomforted right now, Kane. It's not crazy. I'm not losing it, but I am more than just a little bit concerned. Yeah, there was some, uh, there was some troubling aspects of tonight's game that I, I think have probably been filtering right through the entire series and, and, you know, the only game really when you look at it right now that you're like, yeah, the Milwaukee really controlled that was uh, game two. Outside of that, Toronto feels like they've probably had control of this series. So nonetheless, that's why you steal game one and why that was so important because we, we, we're here. We're, you know, maybe, uh, probably I didn't expect we would be, but um, when I now look at it, I'm not really all that surprised because... The Raptors are a very good team, and this is something that uh, you know we probably sometimes looked over. I mean, this Raptors team is very good. That defensively, they are an extremely capable team. And while the Bucks had the number one defense in the league through the year, the Raptors are 
very good in their own right. And I think the physicality right now we are seeing from Toronto is giving the Bucks troubles. And we'll get to the other side of the floor, but we can start uh, offensively for Milwaukee because, you know, they, they uh, in the end, they struggle from the field outside of Chris Middleton and Giannis. So the, overall, the team is, is 46% from the field, but that is heavily boosted by uh, Chris Middleton's 11 for 15, 30 point night, and Giannis going 9 for 17 for 25 points. So outside of that, the role players struggled again tonight, and this time the bench couldn't save them. Yeah, I think it was a little probably foolhardy to expect the kind of performances the Bucks got from George Hill and Malcolm Brogdon every single game in this series. Brogdon in particular, I think you asked about it post game. I was watching Bud's presser. Seemed gassed, uh, two for 11 from the field. Didn't connect on any of his three three-point attempts, only four points. And George Hill just didn't really fire off that many shots. And uh, according to ESPN's box score, in 27 minutes, he's just one for two, five points, and a bench worse, minus 17. So I thought and he, did, he still had some good moments. I mean, he didn't miss a lot of shots at least. Five rebounds, three assists, two steals for Hill, who had no turnovers. And blissfully, somebody on this team made all their free throws. He's the only non-garbage time player to do that. Tim Frazier also was two for two. But I think we all know that this is a team that, you know, they rely on a lot of different guys, and it's great. You know, they're deep, and it switches around. But I think we've kind of – we talked about this last time. They need more from the top three guys. And they got a lot from two of them. I mean, Giannis was good. Probably not great. I mean, 25 points is is good, but for Giannis, it's not otherworldly. Chris was out of this world, 11 for 15 shooting, 30 points. But I think probably one of the most concerning things from the series at large is another quiet game. Well, maybe quiet's not the right word. Another not ideal. That's too generous. Another poor game from Eric Bledsoe. Yeah, Paul's pretty pretty kind. It was it was really bad, and uh, the fact he only played twenty minutes. I mean, uh, this is a real concern for the Bucks. And uh, you know, Ferrick Bledsoe he left the locker room before we even got a chance to get in there. Uh, a couple of people did see him walking out, and he did not want to talk after the game. So clearly, Eric Bledsoe has got some <laughs> troubles right now, and uh, you know he's been here before. And, and Bucks fans have seen this before last year, obviously had his struggles in the playoffs. I think for the most part, he's been pretty good uh, this, this postseason. But coming into the series, this was one of the big, big, big advantages as to why I, I thought the Bucks were going to win so comfortably. I, I, I felt that his dominance over Kyle Lowry over an extended period of time was going to be a major contributor to the Bucks winning games. Now, Bledsoe has been terrible. And I don't think you need to really mince words with that. As I said tonight, he was virtually unplayable there. Finishes with only five points, uh, three rebounds, two assists, two of seven from the field. He still can't hit a three over two. Uh, he's got to figure this out. And uh, right now, there has to be all sorts of uh, mental demons going on with, with Eric Bledsoe because, uh, you know, <laughs> such, a, such a, a key part of this team through the year uh, he is is not in a good headspace right now. No, and I think the really sort of confusing part about all of this is, I mean, you mentioned 
the work he did on Lowry in the regular season, that hasn't translated at all. Kyle Lowry has been phenomenal this series. And that continued uh, on what, Tuesday in game four. I mean, Lowry led the Raptors in scoring with 25 points, six for 11 shooting, three for seven from three-point range. He made all 10 of his free throws. You can sit here and argue about if he deserved all 10 of those free throws. I don't really care. I didn't think the officiating decided any games in the series. I didn't think it was very tilted at all. I mean, I know there was a continuation sort of difference between Norm Powell and Giannis. Some people noted maybe. I don't know. I I, I didn't get fired up about many calls in this game, if really any. I, I just thought, I mean, I, I think the Bucks have a lot more problems with the way they're playing than the way they're called, especially in this game four. But just to swing back to the main point, Bledsoe needs to be better, at least defending Kyle Lowry if he's not going to bring efficient volume scoring, which, I mean, we, we haven't seen from him in a little while now in the playoffs. Yeah, there's no doubt. I mean, I, I, I agree with you. I, I don't really care about the officials right now. Yeah, I mean, you can always look at a couple of calls and say they weren't great, but I mean, for you to watch the Bucks tonight and you walk away and you are and that and that's what you're mostly angry about, uh, I think is pretty misguided. Uh, <laughs> there's always going to be calls either way, and I, I know. I mean, I, I have a lot of Raptors fans in my timeline, and I can tell you they were equally as frustrated as Bucks fans were. I mean, that's the that's the nature of uh, of the way things go. I, I think that the Raptors are certainly playing a, a physical defensive style, but you know, for Milwaukee. Uh, I mean, they just have to be better, and 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 it's and again, it's going to be really tough for the Bucks to make the finals uh, if Eric Bledsoe does not play well. Uh, Bud was asked after the game about Bledsoe only playing twenty minutes, and and just his thoughts on what what to expect from Bledsoe going forward, and if he thinks that he's even going to be able to have an impact. Uh, and Bud said, Malcolm and George have played so well the last few games. I, I think we felt like maybe trying to get them on the court more. We're going to need Bled. Eric's been great for us. His defense, his ability to attack, we need him to play better. We need the group to play better. But tonight, really, all three of those guys, Malcolm, George, and Eric, weren't as good as we need them to be. And I, I think that's a, it's a, a completely fine assessment of, of how things went tonight for those three guards in particular. But, again, it, it starts with the starter. And, and Bledsoe, uh, for mine, Got to the point tonight where, and I, I tweeted about it at some point, there was one possession there where uh, he, he got uh, El Gasol switched onto Bledsoe and Bledsoe backed it out to the perimeter. And you're like, okay, this is good. He's going to put the ball down. He's going to try and get to the rack. It didn't happen. He ended up waving uh, Malcolm Brogdon in to get the ball out of his hands. That's not a good sign for Bledsoe. Then the Bucks broke down the Raptors' uh, defense on that play. There was an open pass out to uh, uh, Bledsoe wide open at the top of the perimeter. And I don't really care how he's been shooting the three uh, so far in this series. If you're that far wide open, you need to shoot that. And this Bucks offense needs players confident that they're going to shoot the ball. And if he's not going to shoot that three, he can't be on the floor. And I thought that this was in the first quarter when Kyle Lowry is going absolutely nuts down the other end, scoring almost on every single possession, it felt like. And on the other end, Bledsoe is hesitating not willing to, to get to his spots and not willing to take the shots that have made him such a good player for the Bucks. So, you know, it, it started from there for mine and, and it, was a, it was a concerning look because even though he hasn't been shooting the ball well uh, in the early games, he remained pretty aggressive and he looked confident tonight, not so much. Yeah, I think it, it's yeah. just tough and, you know, things are further complicated and a lot of comments about this. I've 
seen and I've, I've even heard in person a little bit of consternation right now about the fact that the one guy who the one impending free agent who got the, the bag already is, is Eric Bledsoe. I, I don't, I'm not to the point of looking at that contract differently or, or really at all yet, but it does, it does, yeah, it does thanks. further complicate things. And in, in I think how his performances are being viewed. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm not at that level yet. I mean, this is a guy that has been so good all year. And really, like I said, I thought that he was influential in the, in the first two series of the postseason. So yeah, it, it's been a really rough start. Uh, and you're more just concerned about the, the mental side of things for Bledsoe. And is he able to get himself out of something like this? And I don't think we should underestimate that, that this game is very mental. And I was talking to some people after the game and they asked what I thought about Bled. And I said, look, I think he's going to be fine. But, you know, human nature tells you that this guy is thinking about what happened last year and the fact the Bucks lost and got knocked out of the playoffs. And a lot of people would look at Eric and say, well, this is a really important player that didn't show up. Now this series is tied at 2-2. People are saying the same thing. And this is going to be a really, really big test for him. And, uh, you know, regardless of what happened last year, regardless of what's happened in the first four games, he simply has to figure it out. Yeah. No, he, uh, as the, you know, someone who I thought was an all-star level player through the first half of the season, who is clearly meant to be the at least the third guy in this team, the Bucks just need more than him. It's that simple. I mean, on both ends. And I, I would say I he is probably the most disappointing player in the series thus far. One guy who I do have up there, though, Nico Miritich, who I, at first I thought his shot selection was fun. The fact that just it's just pulling everything over so many defenders. It's lost some of the luster for me, even on this team where it's all about shooting and, and, and taking threes and everything else. Even here, I'm just like, it, it's too much. It's, it, we need more passing from Nico. We need more swinging of the ball. And I thought defensively, you know, as much as he'll say he's a good defender, wasn't feeling his defensive uh, efforts, we'll say, uh, in game four. Just all around a tough game for Nico Miritich. Yeah, I don't feel totally comfortable with singling out anyone tonight. I will say that. Uh, yeah, I, I thought across the board, um, you know, you probably give a pass to, to Giannis and Middleton. Um, obviously, offensively, they carried the team. Uh, I, I think when you, uh, again, and we'll, we'll get to these guys a little bit more, but again, when you look at the job Middleton did defensively, I think he's having one hell of a series for the Bucks. But, uh, yeah, I mean, look, Miritich, I, I think, has been surprisingly good defensively and, and you know, justified in, in his points that he, think he's a bit, he thinks he's a better defender than people give him credit for. But no doubt tonight uh, he looked a little slow. He looked like he was missing an edge. Uh, and, again, uh, I'm not willing to single out him because uh, I think that he wasn't alone on that. Uh, I think the whole team in general looked pretty sluggish. And, yeah, they played a two-overtime game just two nights ago, but... Uh, this is the playoffs, and you can't afford to come in uh, missing that edge. And I, I think they got burnt. I think uh, for Miritich, shot selection-wise, I just feel like he needs to keep shooting them. And I get it. It's frustrating. But we've seen this all year. I, I can't tell you the amount of times I've had people uh, tweeting me or, or, or just see people getting frustrated with Lopez, and they're like, well, stop shooting, Lopez. Like, oh, you can't do that. The Bucks need to stop, stop shooting threes. 
if they stop shooting threes, I can tell you this 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 series is not going to go well for them. The, the Raptors are going to completely shut down uh, Giannis and Milton. The, the entire offense is going to crumble to the ground. So look, Miritich six for twenty eight from three so far. I asked him about this after the game, and I said, "Look, it's all all well and good for you guys to say let it fly, and during the regular season when a loss doesn't mean that much, you can say, yeah, we're just going to keep shooting." I said, "How do you how do you go through the mental side of this now because you're in the playoffs and this is." Uh, you know, a couple of games away from the NBA Finals. How do you work through that? And he said, there's no pressure. The most important thing is they're good looks, and I feel like they're good looks. Just keep shooting, and I know they're going to get in. Uh, he said, the only way to get out of the struggle is to keep shooting. And I think that's the mentality you see from all the good shooters in the league. And this was my problem with Bledsoe tonight, the fact that he was hesita- hesitant uh, to take his shots. And once you do that, I think the opposition has beaten you mentally. So... Miritich obviously not having a great series. Uh, you want to see a lot more from him, and it's it's it is tough when he's starting uh, and missing those those shots. It, it sort of sets the trend for the game. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens. Uh, but defensively, the threes down the other end were a problem, and Toronto in the end uh, shoot fourteen for forty one. Uh, look, just 34%. I mean, they could have burnt the Bucks a lot more than they did. I, I think it helps when you have Norman Powell uh, just going berserk from three. He shoots 13. He only hits four of those. Uh, but uh, Milwaukee gave up far too many open threes tonight. Yeah, and I think this is something that there was a lot of noise made about uh, on Twitter it felt like the Bucks didn't play the defense that they had played for virtually all of the regular season. And earlier in this series, I mean, we talked on here, and I think we both you know, talked about elsewhere, the the defensive strategy was a good one. And, and this was one of the few things that we looked at going in that actually has held up pretty well, I would say, through four games is, you know, the Bucks did do their usual thing of, Obviously, if if someone's driving the rim, you know, Lopez or Giannis will help if they're around. But otherwise, they stay home on most players. And we identified, you know, Chris Middleton. And I think later we also realized Malcolm Brogdon, or at least I didn't know right away, that those guys can do a good job on Kawhi Leonard. And, you know, Kawhi was getting his 30, 31 points, but it was taking him enough shots to where it wasn't massacring you. And I think the the value in just having, you know, Chris and Malcolm handle that basically one-on-one with, you know, a little help, like I said, from Giannis or Lopez if they're around, which is how the Bucks defended everyone. But the value in doing that is you keep everyone else home on the, the other guys, which in, in this case, you know, guys like Fred Van Vliet, sort of Norm Powell, although he'll just hit random good shots against the Bucks, uh, Serge Ibaka. Uh, Mark Gasol is a guy who's probably going to spring open more than others because of the way Lopez played. That's fine. But all of those guys were limited in the first two games. I don't just think that's because they were playing on the road. I think it's because the Bucks made Kawhi play one-on-one and didn't give big openings to anyone else and said, listen, Kawhi will get his points. You know, one or two other guys might go off, but we're not going to let the ball move. We're not going to give guys open shots. I think it worked. Just felt like the team, I don't know if it was a planned strategy or like you said, I mean, clearly there was some tiredness out there and and guys were just flustered, I'm not sure. But a lot more doubling and tripling in situations that didn't make a whole lot of sense. I mean, I think 
it was Bledsoe went to help Giannis when uh, Siakam was posting him up, and I just couldn't figure out what help that possibly provides. I mean, Pascal Siakam's pretty good, but if the Raptors want to post up him on Giannis, the Bucks would take that for literally every single possession as long as Giannis isn't falling out. I mean, that's not a high percentage shot, and then the shot doesn't go in, but I mean, Siakam makes the easy decision to dish it to Lowry for an open catch and shoot three. I mean, that's just the kind of thing where it's not the kind of look the Bucks gave up for most of this season and postseason. I think it let some of those role players get going. I think it frustrated a lot of people watching. Yeah, it was interesting. It seemed like a lot of unnecessary uh, panic from the Bucks tonight, I guess. And, and we know that they've been so Kawhi-centric with their defense. Uh, and I think early in the game tonight, you saw Kyle Lowry, as you already said, 10 free throws on the night. But I, I think that he was really putting the, the Bucks under a lot of pressure defensively. And Kawhi, you know, in the end, only takes 13 shots. And to me, he looked pretty uh, fatigued and, and obviously still really sore. So uh, I do think that they did a good job on Kawhi. But I still think that whether Kawhi is hobbled or not, the Bucks are so focused on getting the ball out of his hands and stopping him that at times we saw that they made really poor decisions. And I think once the once that starts to happen and you feel like the other team's starting to really get a roll on, I think that effect of of everyone sort of thinking, oh well, we need to help. They're gonna they're gonna hit shots, they're gonna do this. I think it's it did sort of go away from from the Bucks uh you know, normal principles and, and the fact that they normally trust each other uh one on one a lot more than we saw tonight. Uh it was sort of it sort of felt like a, a throwback to, to previous years where just the simplest ball movement was going to cook the Bucks defensively with an open three. So uh, once it, once, you know, as I say, once it rains, it pours. And it felt like that a lot tonight for the Bucks. And they just really, right across the board, they just seemed unsettled. Uh, they didn't seem like they were able to calm down and relax and get into their playing style. And again, a lot of credit has to go to the Raptors for that. They've got this Bucks team really unsettled right now. I will also say that Brooke Lopez for mine, uh, is having a really tough time in this series defensively. Now, this guy's been one of the more disciplined defenders in the league all season, the way he's been able to get straight up and put a you know, physical uh, defense on the opposition trying to get into the paint and not foul. They're calling a lot of stuff on him. And, and I, like I said, I, I don't really care about the officials. I, I, I'm not going to complain or say this is any reason why uh, the Bucks lost the game, but I will say... The Brook Lopez right now, if you look at him out on the floor, there's a lot of frustration on his end at some of the fouls that have been called on him. And this guy anchors the defense. We know Giannis is potentially the defensive player of the year, uh, one of the finalists there. But Lopez anchors anchors his defense. And again, early tonight, he got called for a couple of fouls in the first half that we haven't really seen called on him through the year. And I'm not saying whether they're right or wrong, but when Lopez then has to question himself in his own mind how he should defend and whether or not he's going to get uh, the call, it makes things difficult. And that's where the uh, the hesitation starts to creep in. And I just think right across the board, it just filtered through the whole team tonight. And there's no doubt, uh, too much helping, uh, too much leaving your guys wide open. And a lot of the times in situations, it just didn't need to happen. Yeah, and I, I thought it looked a little bit like it was cleaned up by the second half, that particular aspect of, of things. Although I think the post I described was second half, but it did feel like it happened a little less later to me. Part of that could have been Toronto just scoring so quickly that 
there wasn't time to botch that. And by that point, I think so many guys on the Raptors were rolling that the game was over anyway. I will say one interesting thing about Lopez, uh, minutes get limited. Like you said, he picked up quite a few fouls. He ended up in foul trouble with five, but plus one in 25 minutes in a game the Bucks lose by 18. That's that's interesting. It's noisy. It doesn't mean that you know Lopez was the answer to winning here. If he wasn't in foul trouble, I don't know about all that, but it's interesting to me that even, and I agree, he has struggled with Marc Gasol, who's been a lot more effective lately than he was earlier, that's for sure. Just I something about having that rim protector position in there, and I don't feel like the Bucks have any sort of a great replacement for him. I mean, they have other players who can protect the rim, but nobody on the team does it like Lopez. It does feel like sometimes when the Bucks really need a defensive stop and they throw him in there, there's just so much more chance of, of going on a little bit of a run. And I think we saw that a little bit tonight, even in a game that was a Raptors blowout. Yeah, I would agree with that. It's, uh, you know, when you think back to the, to the Celtics series, a little bit of a rough one for Lopez, but there's no doubt he, he's had a sensational series to this point. Uh, and again, 5,000, just 25 minutes made things a little bit difficult tonight for him. But, you know, in the end, uh, I mean, the Bucks were well out of it anyway. And I, I think some of that, Plus minus stuff certainly uh, looks a little uglier from the from the you know that that stretch in the in the fourth where the Bucks go into the fourth quarter and you think well maybe if they if they get a, an early run here in the fourth they can they can make things interesting the Raptors come out and uh, there was a poor turnover from Miritich to start the fourth uh, oh. they force a turnover and then he basically gives it away uh, you know I, I I tweeted it and I think most people agreed with my assessment that. Uh, you know, the Bucks were lazy and, and careless with the ball. Um, you know, it was frustrating. The, the amount of times we've seen in the last two games where they try and give a simple handoff and they just, I mean, there's just no awareness of, of who's around them, what's going to happen. It's resulted in easy, but the transition, open dunks, layups down the other end and just free points for the Raptors or, or near turnovers. There's been a number of times where the Bucks have been lucky not to give away a bucket it's frustrating. This is a team that, for the most part through the season, has uh, made smart decisions and made made the easy decision, made the easy pass, and that's what's made them so good. But these last two games, uh, the Raptors uh, are in their head a little bit, and it seems that the Bucks feel like they're rushed. Uh, they they seem like they're um, just really rattled, to be honest. And, and look, this is what can happen in the series. This is why... Uh, it's a seven-game series that it, it can it can ebb and flow, and I, I think that you know when how the Bucks are feeling after Game Two, uh, on top of the world, two two zip up, just blown out the Raptors, and they come in the road and they struggle, so they need to go home now and figure that out. Uh, I asked Bud about the turnovers, and I asked him straight up whether he thinks that this is just carelessness from the Bucks. Um, he he said that uh, some of the credit has to go to the Raptors, but also on his team. He said there were some hard-to-understand turnovers uh, and, and his team needs to be stronger with the ball, need to cut harder, screen harder, do all those things. And it, and uh, he, he basically just said he didn't think the team executed tonight and took care of the ball. And uh, I, I think that if you're Bud uh, with those turnovers, I, I don't know what he can do about that. I mean, it wasn't just one person. It was right across the board and it starts at the top with Giannis and uh, you know I think for the most part he had a pretty good night but another four turnovers tonight so that's 12 turnovers in game three and four 
Uh, he can't be averaging six turnovers a game if the Bucks are going to win this uh, this series. The Bucks as a whole, uh, they just need to. It's very simple. They need to stop giving the ball away. Yeah, I think a lot of these sort of mental things that uh, a lot of times come down more to focus and execution than anything else. We've just seen all these things go away from Milwaukee. So in two games at home in this series, 20 total turnovers. Two games on the road, 33 total turnovers. So you go from 10 a game to 16.5 a game. That makes a difference. Also, uh, first two games, Bucks shoot 79% from the free throw line. These last two, Milwaukee shoots as a team just 66.1%. And that's just, I mean, a game like tonight, does it matter? Probably not. But you're you're leaving points on the board. And it's just not something you can do. I mean, there's going to be close games, hopefully. Uh, again in this series, you don't want to leave those points on the board. And I mean, that's another thing where, I mean, Giannis doesn't need to be a perfect free throw shooter. He shot 60% tonight, which isn't very good. Uh, felt like for a while, everyone was going to split their free throws and miss the first one. I think Giannis and then Miritich and maybe somebody else did all in a row. I think Eric name pointed out on Twitter, if I recall correctly, but just little things like that, that are very frustrating for fans. And honestly, those quote-unquote little things can end up making quite a big difference in a, a game, especially a close game. Yeah, I mean, uh, the free throw differential was pretty close. The Raptors shoot 27, uh, the Bucks shoot 26. The problem is Milwaukee shoot 65% from those 26. The Raptors shoot 89% from their 27. So uh, that was, and in the end, I mean, obviously it's an 18-point game anyway, but you can't be giving can't be giving away eight points at the free throw line like the Bucks did tonight, particularly on the road. It's just a momentum killer, and yeah, I mean <clears throat> these uh, these Raptors fans were enjoying every second of Giannis uh, airballing another three and then falling very very short on a couple more of those. Uh, look, just uh, another piece of of a really uh, ugly puzzle for the for the Bucks tonight. Um, uh, I. It's it's hard to really, um, you know, point out specific things from tonight. It, there was just so much that went wrong, and I feel like this is exactly what we spoke about the other night after Game Three, but not a lot changed. So, uh, again, I know I've said it a few times, but this team needs a change of scenery. They're on the flight home right now. They're probably not far from landing in Milwaukee, and I, I feel like they're pretty feeling pre- going to be feeling pretty good about that. Uh, Bud was asked after the game, and we spoke a little bit about Miritich and Bledsoe and all these guys, and he was asked whether uh, maybe there needs to be a change in the rotation or the starting lineup. Uh, Bud, usually when he gets asked this question, uh, shuts it down pretty quickly. That would be a typical response from Bud. Uh, He didn't quite do that this time. He said, uh, we think this group has been great. Uh, he said, but we're certainly going to look at the film and look at everything and consider everything. We've got a couple of days between now and the game and we'll evaluate it. So this will be something to watch. And obviously we'll get to speak to the guys tomorrow at practice on Friday, uh, Thursday morning at, at shoot around also. So this will be something to watch moving forward. Uh, I, I guess for you, Ty, are you at the point where you do want to change the starting lineup? I mean, it, it's certainly something they're going to consider, I think. Yeah, I think you I think you should consider just about everything at this point. I even after the rough game and it it does throw it in the in the doubt a little bit. I know you pointed out uh astutely on Twitter uh concerning Malcolm Brogdon, you know, is this uh 
sort of the the lack of playing for so long kind of catching up to him, or is it just an off night? Uh, I'm glad he didn't make uh, at least one shot before the end of the game, but I still would very much consider playing him over Miritich. I think it helps your defense be crisper if you get um, a slightly more traditional and sort of easier to manage uh, matchups for the Bucks starting off. I mean, highly doubt the Raptors change anything. So then you get Lopez on Gasol, Giannis on Siakam, Chris on Kawhi, uh, Malcolm Brogdon on Danny Green, and then Bledsoe on Kyle Lowry. I just think that is easier. I think it, it could work better. Uh, Danny Green obviously hasn't killed the Bucks. I mean, we haven't talked about him at all. Two for five in this game, four points. It's not like he's been uh, a Bucks killer. I mean, he had one crucial shot late in game three, but it was after he missed a whole bunch earlier. But I, I don't know. I think just the having Brogdon back in there, you know, he's been with the team all season. He's more well-versed in this defense, even though obviously he did miss some time. Uh, but he's he's got more time total with this, with this squad than Nico does. I think that could give uh, Milwaukee a bit of a boost. Yeah, there's no doubt. Uh, it it was interesting. I mean, I, I again, I did ask the question about Brogdon whether he uh, to Bud whether he thought that fatigue sort of set in tonight. Um, I I guess it didn't surprise me too much that that Brogdon had such a rough night tonight. He was back to 27 minutes tonight, but 36 in the double overtime game by far the most he's played. Uh, since returning, and now that they are playing every other day, that that potentially is starting to catch up with him a little bit. And yeah, he's been so incredible since returning, but uh, not great tonight. Two for eleven uh, from the field, zero for three from three, and I think all of those threes fell well short, uh, which you know is unusual for such a such a dead eye shooter for the Bucks. So Brogdon looks pretty fatigued for mine. Uh, George Hill, as you said. Wasn't as aggressive looking for his shot. It's interesting which way they go with those guards. I will say that, uh, and I've had a few people ask me, I did post-game radio after the game, and the question was asked about whether you take Eric Bledsoe out of the starting lineup. i got to tell you, I don't think there is any chance that Eric Bledsoe is out of the starting lineup. I just do not think you can afford to do that. This is a guy that regardless of what he's done, the Bucks need to ride it out with him and hope that he figures it out because... If you take him out of the starting lineup, I think he's done. I don't think he's coming back mentally from that. Uh, you need to support this guy and ride it out with him. And, uh, you know, I think Bud tried some other things tonight. When you look at the minutes-wise, with Bledsoe played him a lot less. And, and you know, that in itself is going to be tough for, for Bledsoe to get over. But he's going to have to. But you can't take him out of the starting lineup. I think the obvious move, as you sort of pointed out, would be Miritich for Brogdon. Uh, will wait and see what happens with that. I, I do think that Brogdon's been the primary backup on Kawhi Leonard through the series, so that's perhaps why uh, that's perhaps why Bud is, is trying to keep those minutes staggered with Middleton and Brogdon, but uh, we'll just wait and see what happens here. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, we have seen a little bit of Giannis on Kawhi at times as well, but yeah, you'd have all three of those guys in the starting lineup, which, I mean, you could stagger them. From there, it, it would just require a little more juggling. Sure. They'd be less fresh, too. The one thing I will say about Bledsoe, I agree. I, I think it's probably the best move to keep starting him. And regardless, I don't think there's any way he's he's not going to start. But I'd like to see him 
staggered a bit more with Giannis. Uh, and I don't mean completely. You're not going to play like Giannis 36 minutes and Bled 12 minutes. I mean, that's that's a disaster if we're to a point where Bledsoe is only playing 12 minutes. But I would like to see one of them on the floor at all times. I mean, this is something I kind of talked about last time. But when those two share the court, and like I said, it's going to happen, and, and they can work, but in half-court sets, when one drives, the Raptors are completely unconcerned with the other one. And I think if you maximize minutes with them apart, I mean, even though he's not hitting layups, Bledsoe can still penetrate a little bit. And I just think starting him with four shooters instead of three could help. I mean, both of those guys, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to, it's going to be one of the interesting things uh, moving forward. I, I think that you have to be careful not to completely sit on your hands. And I think there's some real issues with the way the Bucks had played really throughout the whole series. So I will say that I don't think that you panic and make wholesale changes because I think that does play into the Raptors' hands a little bit, and they then they know uh, that they've really got you 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 panicking about the way things are going. So I, I think that the Bucks don't need to change a lot of things, but uh, certainly they need to look through everything and, and see how they can be better uh, defensively, how their energy can be better, how they can just straight up show more care with, with their play and and that's a you know that's a that's a really damning thing to say about a team when you get to the eastern conference finals and uh you know i, I threw that word at bud tonight in the post game I, I said you know is this just straight up carelessness from the team and you know i think when you say a word like that to a coach in a playoff game uh you don't really know how they're going to respond but he sort of just nodded and said yeah there's a bit of that and uh, I think that the fact that these guys are saying that, this is a real wake-up call for them. Uh, only the second time all season that they've lost back-to-back games. They get to regroup now and go home uh, and, and try and figure this thing out. Uh, if we're looking for positives from tonight, uh, obviously we already sort of touched on a little bit, but Chris Middleton was was really incredible. Yeah, uh, probably uh, definitely the best Middleton game of the series offensively. I mean, led the box with 30 points absolutely kept the team afloat at times in the first half with especially the second quarter uh where it felt like he was the only one who could get a bucket continues going well late also puts up six rebounds seven assists it it was encouraging i mean we talked about both him and bledsoe were three for 16 last game said we need more from both of them we didn't get a good game or even a, a an okay game from bledsoe but Chris sure did uh, uh, bring it to prove why he is the uh, second Bucks All Star. Yeah, and in a lot of ways, it was a shame to to waste such a strong performance from Chris because I think that, this, and this is something we've said, or certainly I've said a number of times on the podcast, is that with uh, Middleton taking on such a load uh, defending uh, Kawhi in this series, you have to temper the expectations offensively for him. So. Uh, for him to in a road game to come out and outscore Kawhi thirty to nineteen, uh, just a just a really really uh, important game from Chris. I think he's going to be feeling good after that. Seeing uh, those shots go down, he was struggling a little bit, and we did wonder how much of a toll that that defensive uh, effort was taking on him. Uh, for mine, Kawhi didn't look great tonight, and this is going is, is Kawhi going to continue to deteriorate uh, through the season, uh, through the series, and my feeling is that he's not going to get better. So if you're the Bucks, and this is again back to the defensive thing, trust Chris Middleton. This guy's been doing such a great job 
all series long. And every time he's played Kawhi through the regular season as well, you got to trust that guy, stay at home, and uh, try and put a bit a bit more pressure on these other guys because it was a little bit too too easy for them tonight. But Chris Middleton, for mine, just a really great game. Giannis, uh, pretty good. He was pretty good. Um, I think it was certainly uh, the most efficient night he, he's had against the Raptors. He looked the most threatening, I think, that we've seen him look uh, getting through the paint. Uh, at some occasions, I thought that maybe he was a little too unselfish in, in areas that he could have really attacked and, and tried to put the Raptors under some more pressure. But again, look, positive signs from Giannis, I think, offensively tonight uh, to get 25 points coming off the 12 uh, in Game 3. So the two... Two best players on the Bucks show up, but the story of the night and really the story of the series, just not enough other guys uh, getting it done for the Bucks. while down the other end uh, you have Serge Ibaka uh, have 17 points off the bench. Norman Powell has 18. Van Fleet has 13. And the Raptors bench won the game for Toronto in the end. Yeah, I think... The number one thing to be optimistic about is that these teams are traveling back to Milwaukee and two of the remaining three games are there. You'll be traveling to Kane, and I just hope that you've got your travel blade cover for your razor while you're traveling. I mean, and if you don't, I have news for you. Harry's Razors is helping Blue Wire listeners and hopefully podcast hosts with a better shaving experience. You, yourself, Kane Pittman, can go to harrys.com slash bluewire to save $10 on a value trial set. And this includes the five-blade razor with a lubricating strip and trimmer blade, all that you need, really. Except there's more. Rich lathering shave gel and the aforementioned travel blade cover. Enough with the cheap razors. Go try Harry's now. It's just $3 for our loyal listeners. That's you guys. And girls. Harry's has fixed shaving by combining a simple, clean design with quality and durable blades at a fair price. Harry's founders were tired of paying for razors that were overpriced and overdesigned. That's why Harry's bought a world class blade factory in Germany that's been making quality blades for more than 95 years. You too, loyal listener, can join the 10 million who have tried Harry's. Claim your trial offer by going to harrys.com slash bluewire. All of Harry's blades come with a 100% quality guarantee. If you don't love your shave, let them know and you will get a full refund. Again, please go to harrys.com slash bluewire to redeem your razor for just $3. You know, I thought that uh, I thought the box tonight at times uh, seemed... A little unaware of the shot clock, and they uh, ran their <laughs> offense a little bit deep into the 24 seconds. And I got to tell you, uh, I think that's probably what you did with that ad read. But uh, nonetheless, you you got it out. It was flawless as usual, but uh, left it very light there. It was. I get so worked up. I have so many points I want to make that sometimes, like, I'll be completely ready to say it, and I get lost. And I'm like, wait, no, I need to talk about free throw shooting first. Then I forget to get back to it. It's a whole ordeal. I will say the one guy who does not need Harry's razors, and I think almost everyone does. I think if there's 7 billion and one people on the planet, 7 billion people need Harry's razors. But the one, I'm not. this isn't even a shot at his game. 
I think we can all agree Nico Miritich looks better with the longer beard. I, I would, and I always encourage people to grow beards, but I think especially Nico, buddy, let that thing grow a little bit. I think that could be the secret. Yeah, I wouldn't mind seeing a bit of a playoff beard from Nico. Obviously, he's left it a little bit light at this point, but uh, maybe that's what he needs to try. Uh, I don't know. Uh, we'll see what what he does with that in the coming days. But as I said, the Bucks are in the air right now as we record this podcast. It's one thirty Eastern time uh, here in Toronto. So the Bucks don't have a lot of time to think this one through, but I'm sure tomorrow will be a day of reflection and looking back on the film for them. One thing I did say earlier in the podcast and one thing that I, I'm reminding Bucks fans that are getting a little bit too close to the ledge right now is that when we were debating all season long about what the number one seed meant and what home court meant, this is why it meant something. Because we were in a series just 12 months ago where as Bucks fans you would have seen that the Bucks didn't move to the second round because basically they didn't have home court. They could not win on the road. And it sent them packing in the first round. So uh, right now we're in that same position. 2-2. The home team has held control of this series so far. We've got a best of three series now to get to the NBA Finals. It doesn't get much bigger than this. We know Golden State are sitting at home with their feet up waiting for these two teams to go at each other for the next couple of games. But we're going at least six in this series. Game five is back in Milwaukee. The Bucks will be very happy to be home at Five Serve Forum, seven thirty tip central on Thursday night. And uh, Ty, this is uh, this now for the first time becomes a, a must win for the Bucks. Yeah, I was gonna say this is the the prove it game. I mean, a little unfair maybe to put so such a long season into one game, but that's how these things work at this level in the postseason. You're, you're right. The Bucks absolutely need to win this game more than any other. And I'm personally, although I'm not even nervous, I'm just excited to see how it goes. I, it's, I think this will be illuminating, and I think based on what we've seen all year, I think this game will have a, a a good outcome for the Bucks, but we'll find out one way or the other, that's for sure. Yeah, no, I've, I've got no doubt they're going to be ready to go. Uh, I think playing at home will help this team. I think the home crowd will help this team, and uh, a fast start in this game will eliminate all those sort of nerves and anxiety and, and troubles they've been having uh, on the road in Toronto. But... It is game five. As we said, it's a best of three series now. Two of those games will be in Milwaukee if required. It's going at least six. The Bucks will look to regain control of this series. 7.30 tip, as I said, on Thursday night. Ty, we're both going to get some sleep. I know i got to get a, a flight in a couple of hours here. i got to do some riding and then uh, head my head over to the airport. So maybe I won't be sleeping tonight, but... Uh, who needs sleep when there's uh, Eastern Conference uh, Finals uh, playoff games happening? Probably still us. So hopefully you at least get some on the flight, <laughs> although it's not the longest one. Um, but uh, I'm, I'm confident we'll get the rest that we need. Uh, you to do the very important job of covering the box. Me to do, you know, somewhat important day job. I'll, I'll say it's important as well. But uh, thank you, Kane, for taking the time here uh, this late night, even later for you right now. Uh, Thank you, everyone, for listening. As always, please continue to do so. 
Also, rate and review on your platform of choice, if applicable. Subscribe. I think that's applicable pretty much everywhere. Uh, tell people about it. Yeah, you can do that for sure, no matter how you listen. And uh, keep on uh, keep on lending us your ears. We'll keep on talking bucks throughout this playoff run and, and even after. So, again, one last time, thank you, everyone, for listening. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.